In, in Psalms 138, in verse 2, it says this. It says that God has placed his word above his name. So I want you to remember that, all right? Has placed his word above his name. Nothing is above his name. Paul says this to the Philippians. He says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So we know that. So we know that the word of God is important. So we're going to preach the word of God this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 and 3, and then 1 Samuel seventeen thirty-two. And uh, I'm going to remind us of some things this morning that we tend to forget sometimes that God is still on the throne. And when we tend to forget, and we, and we all do tend to forget, so it's not that there, you know, it's not anything special that's happening to you, is that sometimes the spirit of fear overtakes us. For instance, when you're sick, the spirit of fear will overtake you. And so then that's when the congregation says, trust the Lord, trust the Lord, and it picks us up, Amen. There's times when we, we start to have financial failures and all of a sudden that fear wants to grip us and then that's when the congregation comes together and picks your spirit up and says, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. There's times in relationships, marriage relationships, when they're challenged, amen, and, and that's time when somebody says, trust God, trust God, amen, and so then it starts to encourage us. And, you know, sometimes when we get so overwhelmed in the Holy Spirit, sometimes we cry. And people are thinking, you know what, that person's sad. They're not sad at all. What they are is they're happy. And the only way that they come out of that is, is just through the tears. Some people run and shout and jump. Amen. But God expresses himself in different ways. And so I, I want to remind us of some things before I get into this message. I, I want to remind us of some things that God told us. Okay. And what God told us is this. He says, resources, resources are coming because of the gifted body. Okay? So, so we all have gifts. Every single one of us in here has gifts. And we put those together and we come together as one man, different members of the body, but we're gifted. Now, here's, here's one that Phil Clemens said. I didn't say this, but he said it. Whatever God orders, he pays for. Maybe that maybe Phil Clemens didn't say that. I think Mark Kinnon said that. Because Mark Kinnon was going through a hard time, and God said to him, trust me, trust me. He said, Lord, it's hard for me to trust you when all these bills are coming in. And so he said one day, he said, you know, he was trusting the Lord, and he needed like $45,000. He needed a lot of money. And so all of them bills come in, and he said, here, God, you got mail. Seriously, he said, here, Lord, you got mail. And he said, as soon as I said that, that thing was broke off me. Huh? Here, Lord, he said, you got mail. All right. <clears throat> now, now don't, don't stop paying your debt and say, here, God, you have, you know, because you made the debt. It was that he was being financially challenged. Okay. God does not give us a, 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 a better day. He gives us a better life. We just need to remind each other of some of these things, okay? This is one that God gave me. And he said, the ministry here at Hosanna is noteworthy ministry. How many of you remember that word when we give that? 
And I was reading in the Acts of the Apostles when, when it said that the acts that they were doing were noteworthy, which meant somebody's going to write it down. Somebody's going to write it down. It's noteworthy. There's things that's happening in our life that are noteworthy right now, and we just need to write down. I called Mark Linder up last night, and I said, Mark, I said, listen, here's some of the things that I want at the pastor's conference. Not on a brochure, but this is what I want at the pastor's conference. He said, okay, pastor. And I said, write it down because I'm going to forget it. And so he said, I'm writing it, writing it down right now. And I said, now, don't you forget where you placed it. Amen. So we had a lengthy, good conversation. All right. He asked his, if his boys were there, and I said, yeah. I said, I think they're being taken care of. I don't know. Okay, this is a testimony, okay, and, and, and we are to say to the Lord, do it again, do it again. How many of you remember that message, do it again? Okay, talk from our promise, not from our wilderness. Talk from our promise and not from our wilderness. You remember that? That message, talk from our promise and not from our wilderness. Prophesy out our promise not our problems, and challenge the problem. Challenge the problem. Say to the problem, say, you're covered by the blood of the Lamb. You do not exist anymore. Amen? Just say to your problems, look here, I'm giving you over to the Lord. I'm not facing you anymore. Amen? Challenge the prophecies that have been given to you. When somebody comes up to you and says, i got a word for you, receive the word, but don't believe the word that they give you and then when somebody else comes up and confirms that word that's when you believe that word amen Amen. because the word that is given to us has to be confirmed by the holy spirit or by a witness of two somebody say amen to that i'm just going through some things that that i need to go through even for myself okay you see i wasn't promised the wilderness but i was promised there would be wildernesses but that God would bring me out of all of them, okay? And so I need to talk positive to myself, but not positive thinking. I need to talk positive in the name of Jesus, what the promises are that God give me. How many of you understand that? You know, we've taken that positive confession way, way, way too far, okay? And, but, but there is some truth to that thing, okay? So I need to talk to these, and then when I see problems, I need to look at problems, as opportunities. I'm not trying to be a Joel Olstein right now. But I'm telling you the truth. We need to look at problems as an opportunity. I mean, and, and challenge those things. How many of you understand that? You know, we were so blessed. We, we was gone out of town. And uh, Marie, Bruce Jones is in the hospital. Is he still in the hospital? Does anybody know? Okay, he's home, but he was very, very sick. Didn't have a doctor. And all of a sudden, we just called up... Uh, uh, Dr. Radmer, he said, man, I'm over there. And what I really appreciated about, about Dr. Radmer was this. He, he went over as a doctor, but he also went over as a minister. Oh, how would you like to have a doctor like that? That's what I like about Dr. Rippey. He, he is a minister also. Is this okay right now? You can say amen because we're not in the message yet. Okay. But it's almost a message itself, isn't it? But we need, we need to remember some of these things. Now, in, in Joshua chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3, I'm just going to read, read these to you. Now, it came about when all the nations, now it came about when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan that the Lord spoke to, jo, 
and the, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourself twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourself twelve stones from here and out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down at the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua did that. And, and I'm looking at these. And I look at these stones, and here's what's, what it is. These stones that God said for, for Joshua to do is a memorial. Okay, is a memorial of what God had done and what God is about to do. Because here's what God is saying to Joshua. Joshua, you're standing right now on the edge of your promise. Right now. Take those stones and place those stones because you're on the edge of the promise that I promised you. Now, God has given this church a promise, and we need to see this promise fulfilled by trusting in him and having faith. And somebody say amen to that. But God has also given us individual promises. And so you spiritually right now can take a stone and place it at the edge of your promise. And look at those stones every now and then say, God, this is what you promised. And if you want to write on that stone, where that stone come from. When we, was on, when we went to Las Vegas for that funeral, Nancy picked up a rock and she wrote on it where it came from. And that's because if she doesn't, she's got so many of them that it's just going to blend in. Well, it's true, it just blend in. But if she writes on there where the stone come from, then she can look at the stone and remember and then go forward. And that's what stones are for. Now, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are lively stones, okay? And we are being fitly together for the temple or the kingdom of God. And this temple is, it, the foundation of this temple is the, uh, the apostles and the prophets, which we've done away with, by, by the way, in our churches. We say there are no more apostles and there are no more prophets. But that's not what God says. He says, he says the very church that we're, we have right now, and that's the body of people. He says that church, the, the, the foundation is the apostles and the prophets. And he said, and the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself that cornerstone that didn't fit for those people is the one now that comes together and the whole building comes together we're lively stones okay everybody is a stone by the way let me tell you this even the world is a stone but they're a pile of rock but you can take the same pile of rock and build a house out of it and put it together right if you have the right person doing it, somebody was talking about you and Word of Life, how you put Word of Life together. It was Craig Hayes was telling me, he said, isn't that the guy right there that put Word of Life together, the building? And I said, that's him right there. You need a chief that takes care of that thing and puts it all together. That's what God is. God is our chief builder. Somebody say amen. So I'm, I'm going to look at some of these things. See, not good enough, not good en it's not good enough to be close to the promise. But we need to press into the promise. What kind of promise has God given you? And that promise seems to be just there. And it seems like you're not getting any closer to it. Some of you are agreeing with me. You know, God give me this promise. Now, you know, I, I'm going to, can I be honest with you? When I hit 70, I went through a little bit of depression. I did. I, I did, seriously. Yeah, I, now, I, 
when I hit 40, I kind of went through some depression. Because I remember thinking 40 was old. Oh, how wrong I am. Okay. But when I hit 50, I didn't hit no depression. When I hit 60, I didn't hit no depression. And then when I turned 70, I thought, whoa, turn out the lights. The party's over. You know. And, and you know, and I, and I looked at that, you know, and I was just kind of feeling down. And I got away with the Lord, and the Lord said, listen, that party's just started. He said, you remember the things that I've spoken into you, the Lord said. He said, this party's just starting. And so then he says another thing to me. Listen to what he said. He said, take back what you've dropped. Now listen, he didn't say take back what you've given away. He said, take back what you've dropped. And I, start, I said, Lord, are you going to show me? He said, I'll show you every one of them. He starts showing me every one of them. And so I'm, I'm, going, I'm taking those back. I called Doc Shell up last night and had a long conversation with Doc Shell about this, this, this pastor's conferences coming up. And he is as excited about it as I am. And I said, Doc, here's one thing that I know that's going to come out of that. And he said, what's that? And I said, there is a prophetic word that's going to come out of that. All these preachers are going to come together with this prophetic word. And it's going to be the word for today. It's going to be the word that's going to take us through how many of you understand that? Here, here's what I'm loving right now. I, and and, and I'm not, I don't, it, it, bear witness with me. I talk about the dwelling place more, not just because these boys are here. But I talk about the dwelling place. And the reason why I love the dwelling place is because I raised Mark Linder. You, you, you know how exciting that is, is when you raise somebody and all of a sudden now, man, they're going out there. The Lord spoke to me plain and clear this morning. He said, next Sunday, he said, let Nathan and Sheila have it. He said, I want that church to understand what, what, what this church has done in, in, in India. And I said, okay, Lord. And I say, why, Lord? He said, because you raised him. Now let him express himself. Amen. I said, wow, that's so good. So I look at the dwelling place and what, what, what Pastor Linder's doing, he's just, you know, where he's at is the kingdom. And so he's in a, in a university. Now the university there thinks that they have an athletic director. They don't have an athletic director. They got a missionary there. Okay. They, they have a missionary there who takes his, his office very serious. And these, these young people are, are doing things in New Orleans down on Bourbon Street that is record setting. You know what? The devil hates them kids. The devil hates them kids. Man, he's like, here they come again. Here they come again. Whoa. That's an old 60s song. I said, okay, whoa. Just hit my mind. Here they come again, you know. There's a, and, they, and they don't want them to come. But Brother Linder says, you know what? This is a promise. Yes. This is a promise. And, and God said he's going to give restoration back to us. And he's going to provide. Listen, he, he said, I'm going to provide because I give it to you. You know, and so he, here's what he says. He said, it takes a keen eye to pull the gold from a person and to point them towards their destiny. And then it takes a special person to be able to encourage that person to go into that ministry. And I said, Lord, that's what I'm doing right, right now. And he said, do that right now. Now listen to what the Lord says. He said, don't empower the lie, empower the truth. And so you know what? I'm sitting there this morning, and I have an opportunity to minister. And one of my sons had come home. And so I looked at him right directly in the eye, and I said, here it is. 
Praise God, here it is. This is what a good dad would do for you right now. And that's what we need to do. Understand this. Listen, God has given us a promise, and he's a father who will not fail. Now, we can talk about the promise, but what is the promise? That revival is coming to this place second to none. And that the glory of God is coming into this place like we've never witnessed before. But he's not just going to stay in this four-corner building. What he's going to do is be inside of each and every one of us. And everywhere we go, revival is going to happen because the kingdom of God has come when we go somewhere. Somebody say praise the Lord to that. That's the word of God. Joshua told him, he said, set a stone out there and set it at the edge of your memorial. So every now and then you can look, look at it. Listen, don't stop praying for people. People need prayer more today than they've ever did. Over in 1 Samuel. Now run over to 1 Samuel 17.32 with me. David's going to kill Goliath. Goliath doesn't know it, but he's about to die. Your problems don't know it, but they're about to die. Say amen to that. Your problems feel like they've been empowered because you have shrunk back in fear. But all of a sudden now that fear is turning to faith and Goliath is about to die. He doesn't know it. And the last part of his life, listen to this, Goliath is standing there thinking that he's the king of the world, threatening the people of God, threatening a young man, threatening him, and, and, and just lashing out to him like never before. And Goliath feels so empowered that he can't be stopped, okay? And all of a sudden, he has this little shepherd boy. Hey, Marlon, I want you to stand up if you would. You see Marlon right there? That's the size of King David. That's the size. Hey, that's the size right there of King David. Marlon, how tall are you? Five eight. Well, you're about six inches taller. He, he did that so he looked taller too. Yeah. Okay. You you can sit down now. Okay. And now Goliath is over nine feet tall. Actually, if you want to know the truth, I did some research on Goliath, and he could have been thirteen feet tall. Okay. That's a pretty good sized guy. You see the top of that roof right there? That's not twenty feet. How tall do you think that is? No, that's not seventeen. Mm -mm. that's 14 feet right there that's all that is old Goliath about hit his head on our ceiling he'd have to walk right down the middle of this church and there David's standing 5 foot 2 and Goliath has never been so empowered in all his life little does he know he is about to die your problems feel so empowered right now little do they know they're about to die Somebody say amen to them. They're about to die. They are threatening you. They are cursing you. And when I say you, I'm talking about myself too. Okay. And look what he says in 1 Samuel 17, 32. David says this. And David said to Saul, let, man, let no man's heart fall on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. As the devil says in New Orleans when Mark, Pastor Mark takes all his youth down there. 
The devil tries to tell everybody, ha, ha, and them are just youth coming. Let me tell you something. That's a mighty army coming in the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen. See what, the, what, what, what old Goliath is saying. You know what? Let him, let him sing the songs that Harold leads him in and let Caleb get in. And just, wasn't that a blessing when Caleb sang that? Yeah, that's a good voice, isn't it? Wow. It's going to even get better and better and better, okay? And, and, but the thing of it is that old Goliath is saying, let him do that, let him do that. And then all of a sudden he says, ooh, they're for real. And boom, the stone hits him right in the head. Done. Done. What do you think New Orleans is, is, is gearing up for? You think the Mardi Gras? Uh-uh. New Orleans right now down there, they're, they're gearing up for Mark Linder coming in there to the dwelling place. All those shops that sell all that voodoo stuff saying, oh, no, here they come again. Ooh. Catch us if you can. Well, we caught them. Isn't that right? I don't know why I'm singing that song. That wasn't part of the message. It just sounded good at the time. You see, God is building faith in you and for you because he knows the next step you're taking. So Goliath is coming out there. See, God is getting us ready because he's going to produce through us. Okay? He's going to produce inside of us and he's going to produce outside of us. When God works something in our life, let me tell you something, something great and powerful is going to come out of it. David didn't come to make the king angry. David came to give the king a blessing. King didn't see that. And his brothers didn't see that. They thought he was mischievous. Now, you know what? They didn't, know, they didn't think that. You know what? It was just this little bitty old guy comes and puts them right in their place. Uh-huh. Let me tell you something. Any one of them could have taken the sling and went out there. Any one of them said, you know what? I have faith in God. I'm going to go out there and kill that old guy. Any one of them could have stepped up. That king could have stepped up. David's brothers could have stepped up. Anybody could have stepped up. You want to know the difference between them brothers and, and David? Do you, do you all know that when, when his brothers were younger, they were shepherds? You didn't know that, did you? You thought just David was a shepherd. They were all shepherds. You know what? Them brothers were shepherds. They did not take it seriously. Because they didn't like being shepherds. And one day they knew they wasn't going to be a shepherd no more. That they was going to get a good job. Going to get a good job. But you know what David did? David loved being a shepherd. And you know why David loved being a shepherd? Because it's a lazy job. Pay attention. I I know you are. But David said, come on, let's go. And them old sheep would just follow him. And he'd find a pasture. He'd let them sheep graze. He'd take out his harp and he'd play his harp. One guy said when we was in Alabama with Doc Shell, he, he said, you know, you know, and, and I didn't realize this. He said, but when David wasn't playing that harp, he'd hang it in the tree and God would breathe through the harp and sing back to David. I was like, whoa, that's powerful. Huh, David, David just a shepherd, man. He'd go out there. Dad say, David, take him sheep out there. And David say, yeah, I'm going. You know, and the other brothers, you know, they, they didn't like that job, you know. And so, you know, then David take that harp out. The Lord is my shepherd. He'd just start singing and play that harp. And then all of a sudden he'd take the harp and place it in the tree. And God breathe through the strings of the harp and start singing to David. Isn't that awesome? I don't know if that's biblical. But it sure sounded good to me. 
Then one day, an old bear come out of there. And he wanted one of David's sheep. And a lion came out of the bed. David said, you know what, Saul? I grabbed that, that, I grabbed that lion by his beard and I ripped him apart. Five foot two. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and gave him the strength of Samson. A bear come out of there. And he said, I took that bear and tore him to pieces. He said, with my bare hands. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. And he said, now I'm going to tell you God's going to do the same thing to this uncircumcised Philistine. Because God's people are out being taunted and they're being tormented. And no David, he goes out there and he looks at that. And David's, David's also looking at something else. He said, you know, when God was breathing through that harp, he'd give me promises. He said, I'm on the edge of a promise. He said, I'm right on the edge of the promise. And his faith was built up in God. And his faith wasn't built up in God because he did great things. His faith was built up in God because he did what God asked him to do. And he was a a shepherd. And he loved being a shepherd. And he loved being a shepherd because I think he's lazy. Young people are lazy. You ever notice that? I'm not talking about you, Noah. Noah's not lazy. No, I'm not talking about you, Caleb. At least they're listening. I'm talking about these guys, oh, they're lazy. I, had, I crept in that room, and I can't remember which one was. I said, I need to get my clothes. Okay. <laughs> didn't phase him a bit, man. I didn't even have to say anything. I could have busted that door open and went in and got my clothes, and it didn't make no difference. It was you, wasn't it, Dylan? Yeah. Said Dylan, here's what Dylan's saying. Listen, I've been sleeping on the floor of a tent for a week, man. I'm in a bed. He made you stay in the other room, didn't he? He made he switched it around. Yeah. So, so, so. But David was a great, great shepherd, and so he he is anointed king because now he's not only going to be a great a king, but he's going to be a great king because he was a great shepherd. How many of you get a hold of this? But see, there's something standing in his way of greatness. And what do you think is standing in his way of greatness? That stinking giant out there. See, David's not only thinking about Israel itself, but David's also thinking about himself. Because understand something, there's something standing in his way and he doesn't like it. You see, because God has given us a promise. Somebody say amen to that. And the promise is his kingdom. And so David, David does something. David says, I'm going to challenge that guy. And you know what? And then, then Saul, instead of Saul saying, yeah, buddy, go get him. He starts telling David how weak he is. Wait a minute. You sure? You, isn't that amazing how people can remind us how weak we are? Right? I just told him the truth. Shut up. We don't want to hear it. I mean, I didn't lie. I just told him the truth. It was the way you told the truth, and you should have just shut up. We already know the truth. Isn't that right? Oh, it wasn't gossip. It wasn't gossip. I I just told him the truth. See, See, you could have said, Saul said, Saul would have said this. I just wanted him to see reality. Do you understand that there's time when you just need to stop looking at reality? Because with reality is a spirit, and in that spirit is fear. 
And fear will stop you from achieving what God wants you to do in his kingdom. The difference between me and Joel Osteen is I don't really care how you feel about things. I care about how God feels and how he sees this thing. And he has appointed us to be that guy that goes out there and takes that enemy because we're standing on the threshold of a revival that the devil doesn't want to see happen. Somebody shout amen. A revival where people get saved. A revival where people get healed. A revival where people get delivered. A revival where there is resurrection of the dead. The blind is able to see where the fire of God is white hot in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. That's our promise. We're standing on the edge of that. We're standing right on the edge of that. I've told myself many times, and those kids go to New Orleans, I'm going with them. I hope I get to go this time. I want to be part of that. And you say, why? I love going somewhere when the devil knows I'm coming. I tried to get Nathan. I hope he did it. I don't know. I, I did remind him. I said, when I went to Africa, man, I stood on the edge of that airplane, and I said, devil, I'm here. Did you do that? I said, devil, I'm here. You need to look out. Listen to me. You don't need the devil talking to you. Start talking to him in the name of Jesus and don't have a conversation with him. Say, devil, I'm here and things are changing right now because the dominion that you have is being taken away from you and it's being brought back to the Lord where it should be given to his people. Man, I feel inspired. Amen. Don't that David takes... On Saul's mess, not his own. That was, that was key to me. David took on Saul's mess. He took on the mess of Israel. Took on the mess of his brothers. Took on the mess of his dad. You, know, you, you understand that when, when, when Samuel comes in to anoint, that, that Jesse doesn't talk about his son. The last son. All his sons, he prays. Samuel says, well, don't you? Well, yeah, but he just a, he's just a shepherd. He's just a youth. He's out there. Don't you understand something, Jesse? That boy is about to deliver Israel. Don't you understand that? Don't you understand something, Mary? Your son Jesus is about to deliver the world. Don't you understand that? Don't you understand, Dylan, you're standing on the edge of a, of a major thing where you're about to just take over dominion the devil has had for years? Man, I spoke into Jeff Heath, and I'm going to continue to speak into it. He's a missionary, but he's going to start with his family first, and the first one he's going to see is his older brother. Amen. One into the kingdom of God. Praise God. Listen to me. Don't we understand that we are on the threshold of these promises all coming together as God said they would? See, we're on the threshold of everything turning around before us. Listen, with that gold and silver you have in your pocket, well, there's no gold and silver. You know those green dollars that aren't worth a whole lot? Do you understand that they're not going to be worth anything? But the promise that God give you will take you through. And so what David has decided was, I'm going to take on Saul's mess. Because God's in this thing. How many of you like cleaning other people's houses? Mm -mm, not me. I know you do. Well, I don't know you like it. You get paid for it. I don't. I don't like, how many of you don't like going to other people's houses and cleaning them? 
Hey, you know what I always found out too? Isn't it amazing your dirt is not as dirty as other people's dirt? Yeah, isn't that amazing? Your dirt is clean dirt. Right? Amen. You know, you got so accustomed, we get so accustomed to our dirt that we see other people's dirt, but our dirt is not as dirty as their dirt. You see, David took on Saul's mess. You know, but see, David sees a victory for the people of God, so he is willing to take on Saul's mess. Here's what we need to do. We need to fight, fight with God, fight for what God has given you, okay, because God has already equipped you. I'm going to just go over this really quick, okay. See, because there's an urgency that we feel, but we don't operate in. See, there's an urgency for prayer right now. There's an urgency God is calling us to prayer. Because everything is birthed out of prayer. The promises that God has given us is birthed out of prayer. Are we willing to do what God wants us to do? Okay, now let's go back to the story. So we have this big old giant, right? And he has go- he's going to pick up a stone. And he's going to smack this guy with the stone. But that's not what killed Goliath. What ki- killed Goliath was the testimony of David. Because before Goliath was dead, he was already dead. Yeah. And so David just picks up this stone. Right? But he's got a tremendous testimony. His testimony was, you know what? I'm coming in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to take your sword and I'm going to cut your head off. And then I'm going to dance on your grave. You uncircumcised Philistine. Every person in here is a David. If we allow God to be in us and work through us couple of more things, and then we're going to stand. I want you to pay attention to this one, if you haven't paid attention to any of them. God's presence needs to be continually with us. Can you sing in your pain? Can you see victory in your crisis? Can you see deliverance in your chains? Can you sing? Isn't that amazing? When Paul and Silas were in prison, they were in chains and shackles. But people don't understand how they were chained. Their feet were in the shackles, and then there was a bar that came over their midsection, and then they were stretched forward as far as they could be stretched. I can't even get it. They, 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 they were stretched out. Their feet were stretched out. A bar comes here, and then they pull them this way, and they chain them. Excruciating pain. You can't live very long in that. And so they decided to sing. And now you're saying, the anointing came on them. Nuh-uh, there wasn't no anointing. What came on them guys was pain. 
Great pain. But old Paul said, you know what? He said, when you suffer for the glory of God, he said, you need to shout. And he's in this pain. And I don't think he started singing, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, if you please, I don't think he sang that. I think he starts singing, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I think in his pain he said, I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice in it. In his pain. Can you sing in your pain? Can you face Goliath? Are you the one that's going to take on somebody else's mess? Let me ask you that question. Because listen, if we're going to see the promises of God fulfilled in our life, then this is exactly what we're going to do. He said to Joshua, he said, now there's a promise on the other side of that Jordan. Now put a rock right here as a a memorial. He said, from each tribe he said let it be there according to the Bible it's still there and what it is is a memorial stand with us if you would please devil's in trouble the world's in trouble when Paul is saved on the Damascus road listen to what Jesus says to Paul he says Saul Saul why are you persecuting me And Saul or Paul, he could have said this, I'm not persecuting you, I'm persecuting those who follow you. But Jesus said, you are persecuting me. Do you understand when the enemy comes against us, he's coming against our Lord. How long do you think that dog's going to hunt? He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me I'm telling you right now he takes care of us because we are his body let me tell you this God is 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 interfering with the devil's work like never before you don't need to be a part of it there you don't have to be part of it just as a little bit of humor between Lebanon and Missouri and Buffalo, Missouri, there is a little town called Halfway. It's halfway between Buffalo and Lebanon. And they have a Baptist church there, and they literally named the church Halfway Baptist Church. It's right there. On, it's right there. If you want to go through there, I laugh every time I see that. Halfway Baptist Church. Yeah. They call us full gospel. Somebody please tell me what full gospel means. I do not have a clue. Full gospel means, Pastor, the baptism's been poured out and we all speak in tongues and we all jump around and do this. Well, good for us. Let me tell you what I think it means. I think it means that if we was actually in Christ, then we would see the things that the Holy Spirit does operating through us. Somebody say amen. Because listen to me. There's more than just speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. There's more than that. It's called that the kingdom of God has come into us. And everywhere we go, the kingdom of God goes. Today, you're going to have to take on somebody's mess. 
Are you willing to take on somebody else's mess? <laughs> Jeff knows what I'm talking about. Different ones know. Are you willing to do that? Take on somebody else's mess. My dog. Let's finish with this. My dog. Don't open the door. The dog takes off. And I say, I'm just going to let it run. How come I don't? How come I'm always rescuing that dog? How, somebody, how come I'm doing that? I really don't want the dog. Because I don't want to go to court. Understand something. God continues, continues, to continues, continues to rescue us. Are you willing to take on somebody else's mess? Are you willing to have a testimony? All right. Here's the thing about David. David went out there just like he faced that lion, just the way he faced that, that bear. Now listen. And there wasn't no special anointing. Just like not right on you right now. But when he faced that old boy and he picked up that rock, that anointing came. And Goliath was in trouble. Goliath was in trouble. Goliath was in trouble and he didn't know it. And the world is in trouble and they don't know it. Now pay attention. The church is in trouble and doesn't know it. Listen, God's more than able to take care of everything in your life. 